coming up on Stu Does America. Without truth and accountability, villains like Andrew Cuomo are going to continue to get away with their criminal failings. Bill Hammond is here from the Empire Institute to discuss their new lawsuit against Cuomo to finally learn the truth of what happened in nursing homes during the peak of the coronavirus pandemic. And to prove both of my points that you're never woke enough and everything is racist, we'll discuss a school in San Francisco that's changing its name from Abraham Lincoln because Lincoln didn't do enough for minorities or something. We'll get into that. Watch us for free on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell to get you notifications when we post or check out our podcast, also completely free from iTunes or your favorite provider. Don't forget to rate us five stars, which is the appropriate number of stars, and leave us a review. We can read at the end of the program. And don't forget about that tiny little holiday coming up, the one we're not supposed to talk about because it's got Christ's name in it. Oh, yes. Celebrate with a nice Santifa Claus mug or maybe a holly jolly. It's not a riot. It's a mostly peaceful tree lighting in front of the wonderful cityscape lit on fire with a Christmas tree. Uh, any item uh, that you need is available now, of course. Uh, to fit any occasion, you can get the Nancy Pelosi Sucks mug, which is just really, it's not about the holidays. It's just true, you know? What happens when you take your online anonymity and trolling into the public discourse? Well, you're probably going to get punched in the face at the least and probably deservedly so. Let's do Twitter in real life. Stu does America. Now, as you know, uh, we blab about this all the time. We've got Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Well, we don't have any right now, but we did have them. We have the mugs now that say Nancy Pelosi sucks. We have the fancy Andrew Cuomo is awful mugs. I would make a Deborah Messing is a mess or Deborah Messing is the devil or something like that. Some terrible, terrible cup like that if I thought you'd buy it. The problem is no one cares enough about Deborah Messing to buy a cup. That's just not, that's not the way this business works, unfortunately. However, Deborah Messing deserves uh, a little bit of your scorn, I would say, after her series of tweets. She was uh, upset about uh, Donald Trump, and she tweeted this. America, this is a leader, talking about Donald Trump. Um, You are weak, scared, stupid, inept, negligent, vindictive, narcissistic. I'm on the thesaurus page right now, and you're a criminal. I hope you live a long life in prison where you become the most popular boyfriend to all the inmates. Now, look. This is a very standard thing that people say. Is it a good thing? No, probably not a good thing. But the sort of, hey, you're in prison, you're going to get a boyfriend, basically the good old prison rape joke is kind of out there and has been done by a million people a million times. Uh, People, uh, however, have changed. Now, I would not uh, advocate or or, uh, recommend a good old prison rape joke uh, from Deborah Messing, but I would think for different reasons than Deborah, she got a little upset about this because people pushed back on Deborah Messing, not because they were worried about the president being assaulted, of course. What the left was worried about is you were saying something bad about the LGBTQIA2 plus community. That community uh, fired back and was very upset about Deborah Messing's tweet. So first she attempted to apologize thusly. She said... Let me be clear. I said nothing about LGBTQI2 plus slash queer love. Rape is an act of violence. Trump has perpetrated violence on hundreds of millions of people. My hope is, and this is the first time in my life, that the tables are turned and he is the victim of perpetrators. So like... 
People would say sometimes when you clarify things, they say, oh, they back down from the statement. That's a double down on the statement. That's someone who is outwardly wishing the president gets assaulted. Usually you don't do that. I mean, there is a strange sort of line around the president here in the United States because of all the serious stuff we saw in the 60s in particular. uh, And, of course, with Reagan in the 80s. We just don't even really joke about that sort of stuff. You know, it doesn't matter. The same thing applies to Barack Obama and Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, anybody. You don't you don't make jokes about that with the president of the United States. You don't joke about them being assaulted or in any physical way. Uh, It's just not a good idea. People will do it, uh, you know, against any Democratic president. Uh, They'll do it from any Republican president. It does happen. But it's not a good idea. What's interesting here is this sort of pander, right? You have a person who is actually apologizing to the LGBTQ population because she thinks her she was a little too flippant with her prison rape. If Donald Trump had a loving homosexual relationship in prison, that would be fine. Deborah wants to make sure that that would be okay, but not an unwilling. Well, no, she wants them to have an unwilling one, but uh, she wasn't saying anything about her normal uh, loving hetero or homosexual relationship. I'm very confused at this point. So obviously this does not appease a lot of people. People are saying, well, wait a minute, you just apologized uh, because you didn't want to look like you were against gay people. You're still wishing for the pre- uh, president to be raped. So uh, I think apology number three, she said, I'd like to say I've been an LGBTQIA2 plus slash ally for decades. And I was in no way referencing LGBTQIA2 plus slash queer love slash sexuality. It's not my proudest moment. But 45, Donald Trump, has victimized hundreds of millions of people. That's a lot of people. And I had wished the tables turned on him. I apologize for the offensive way I did it. So I wouldn't say that she's saying she doesn't want the president raped. I wouldn't say she's gone that far, but she's tried to back off a little bit more after the first couple of apologies. It's a very confusing thing to follow, but it's an example of what Twitter is, right? This is what Twitter is. I assume that if you were a Trump supporter and you liked a Deborah Messing show, which I would totally name if I could think of any of them, you'd go up to her and she'd probably be pleasant to you in real life, right? Now, if you had a MAGA hat on, she might not be so uh, pleasant, but people generally have positive interactions with others. That's not some big surprise. The question is, when you take that Twitter mindset and you bring it into real life, how does that work out? Not so well. Tom Cruise uh, had a little bit of uh, an incident here over the weekend, and it was leaked out onto the Internet. He's talking about uh, some people who apparently were breaking coronavirus rules during the the filming of Mission Impossible 137, the one where they jump off of tall buildings. And I think he's on a motorcycle and probably a helicopter. And then we all say for months, oh, did you know Tom Cruise does his own stunts? Oh, that's amazing. He's doing stunts. Yeah, I know. It's really amazing. Um, just just continue to tell me that story because it's fascinating. Anyway, uh, here is uh, Tom Cruise going off on his uh, crew. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. And if 
don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. So uh, there you go. You got to get the point. I mean, it's kind of like the reverse of Oprah. It's like, you're getting fired. You're getting fired. You're getting fired. Everybody's getting fired. Uh, Now, I would think the normal reaction to that would be horrified disbelief, right? Here's a guy who is a multi, 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 multi hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. And he's out there ripping his crew members uh, and threatening their jobs in the middle of a pandemic and saying they're going to get thrown out of the studio and fired. And I'm coming after you. And at one point he says, if you do something, I'm firing you and I'm firing him, which I don't think you can do. Who knows? I think they were overseas. So maybe their rules support that. I don't think you can fire someone for something somebody else did. Can you? Anyway, the long of the short of this is, you know, I can understand why Tom Cruise wants to you know, protect his movie. Um, and I can understand the motivation behind it. He's executive producer of it. He's got a lot of cash on the line. I get it. And, you know, you, you, be taking precautions during COVID. I got it. I, I understand. What is it that he's talking about, though? If you guys do this again, I'm gonna get, you're going to get fired. It was standing within six feet of each other while wearing masks. These two crew people were actually wearing masks. At least that's the report. Standing, you know, I guess, four or five feet away from each other, watching a monitor at the same time. And this is the reaction. He's dressed. Uh, the, these guys are dressed down in front of the entire crew. And Tom Cruise is screaming. Now, there is a way to make that point right where, you know, look, dude, we've got insurance, you know, companies up our butt. We cannot have any breakdowns of this. We cannot do it. If you're if we're going to have this issue, we're, gonna, we're not going to allow you to have we're not going to have you here because they're going to take down this movie. Instead of just swearing at him and threatening their livelihoods, you know, what what good is this? So he has they go get covid somewhere else. Uh, The point, I guess, is that if you act this way. This is going to happen. Why do we know about Tom Cruise uh, dressing down his entire crew? We know about it because he was being an a-hole about it. And that's why it was leaked uh, to the entire uh, media and the entire world. You get to see Tom Cruise. And I think a lot of people will picture this as who he really is. He's Karen Cruz. It's not Tom. It's Karen. This is the ultimate Karen thing. There's no reason to react like that about, a, you know, two people standing near each other while wearing masks of all things. This is insanity. And it makes it worse when you act this way, when you take a Twitter rant and bring it into real life. It's funny because, like, you know, I think normally the way this would be criticized is uh, another Hollywood douche going after, you know, uh, people who are he believes he's superior to. And there's certainly a lot of that there. But tell me, isn't that what Twitter is all the time? Twitter is just that Hollywood douche mentality brought onto social media. We all become the Hollywood douches and we all go out there and act like jerks to everybody. I don't know if that works. It doesn't. Were you convinced by Tom Cruise to do anything uh, more uh, more uh, conservative and I guess conservative is the wrong word, more um, safer on the spectrum, I guess, for coronavirus because of Tom Cruise's rant. Was there any part of you that's like, you know what? I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to wear two. I'm going to wear five masks today because Tom Cruise was very convincing in his little monologue there. This is what this has happened over and over again. If you remember this one, this is. um, uh, well, you know what, guys, can I go to this, um, uh, the, the, the one at Target here first? I'm doing this a little out of order, if that's possible. Uh, because I was fascinated by this that came down the other day. 
I think when you go into these rants and you're acting like you're doing Twitter in real life, you a lot of times think you're winning. You know, you're, you think you're on the right side of this debate. Here's another Karen. This, this Karen is in a Target, and this Karen is a man wearing very, very short shorts, and he's trying to uh, get yell at somebody who's apparently not wearing a mask. Watch this interaction happens, and watch the guy's face as he realizes... I realize it's something that he didn't expect, which is he's not winning this interaction. Watch. Get away Put from your me. mask on. I'm sorry. You can walk away from me right now, sir. Put your mask on. Get away from me. Put it please. on. Does it bother anybody else that she doesn't have to wear a mask that we all do? Just yeah. go away. Stay Try six feet away from me then. No. Get away from me. No. Yeah. Get please on. get away from me right now. No. You don't need to come near me. She has it on her damn hand. Get away from me. He thinks he's winning this interaction, pursuing me, the woman. Please get away from me. People are calling 911 security. You don't security. care. Leave me alone. She put, she Stay six feet away from baby. me then. <laughs> it's right about there. He realizes, holy crap, are we the baddies? Is that us? Who you voted for? Because, you know, this is the thing. You act like that. Even if he was right. Who would ever act like that? Not to mention, and I say this over and over and over again, hey, idiots on the left, if you want to prevent the spread of coronavirus, the answer to doing that is not yelling through a mask at someone who doesn't have a mask. It's much more safe for one person to pass by you not wearing a mask than to do what this dolt was doing. A lot of times these things turn around on you. Do you remember this classic from the Chick-fil-A drive-thru? Hey, how you doing? Fine. Good. Is this my free water? It is. Awesome. You know why I'm getting the free water, right? I do not. Because Chick-fil-A is a hateful corporation. I disagree. I wouldn't... I know, but... We treat any of our customers differently. We don't I know, but you guys... But the corporation gives money to hate, hate groups. Hate groups. Just because I, people I want to kiss another guy. Sorry? I'm, I have to say neutral on the subject. My personal beliefs no, should I understand. be in the workplace. Yeah, I believe that too. I don't believe yeah. corporations should be giving money to hateful I'm really groups. That totally understand. Time. I'll take my water. Okay. It's it, my pleasure to serve you always. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm glad that I can take a little bit of money from Chick fil A and maybe less money to hate groups. Well, have a great day. We're always happy to serve every. every I don't know how you live with yourself and, you and work here. I don't understand it. This is a horrible corporation with horrible values. You deserve better. You deserve better. Rachel deserves better. Okay. I hope you have a really nice day. I will. I just did something really good. I feel purposeful. Thank you so much. Okay. I'm a nice guy, by the way, and I'm totally heterosexual. I'm not not a gay in me. I just can't stand the hate. You know. (laughs) You gotta stop. It's gotta stop, guys. Stand up. Have a nice day. All right. See you guys. Guys, I'm totally uh, I'm totally heterosexual. There's not a gay in me. Okay. Pretty convincing stuff from that particular guy at the drive-thru. Uh, the point here, again, that you could see it in this guy. He thinks he's got this great viral moment, right? What a wonderful thing that's going on. And he, he says, I think I feel purposeful, and I feel like I've done something good. And then, of course, people realize afterward, after he posts the video, that he's on the wrong side. He's the baddie, right? He's on the wrong side of this. Um, to remind you of the history of this, because I, I found this to be fascinating, um, he said, after this all went down, and people, of course, saw the video and sided with the Chick-fil-A employee, who was actually incredibly nice and composed in an impossible moment. 
Um, he said, when I, uh, when I was, this is how he described the incident. When I was met with some of the things uh, the Chick-fil-A employee said, she disagreed with me. She really liked her company. And then it became a fight. At no point was there a fight from this employee. The employee just wanted the interaction to end and said she felt uncomfortable being filmed. Um, then it became back to, uh, to what I was taught, which is, hey, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm on the right side. And then it became me versus her, he said. His name, by the way, Adam Smith. Different one than the economics hero. Uh, I was spouting off, but I was watching myself spouting off, and I go, this is what a protest feels like. I guess this is, there's kind of rage, an uncomfortable, conflicting energy. After driving home, he uploaded the video. Soon after, he received an email from an unknown sender who said they'd use face recognition technology to identify who he was and vowed to get him fired. Smith believed the sender was reacting to the stance he took in the video, but he refused to be intimidated and thought everything was going to be okay. At the time... (laughs) Uh, uh, He was a husband and father of four. He was an accomplished businessman, a chief financial officer at a medical supplies company. Uh, The morning after he uploaded the video, he went to work as usual. The receptionist who greets me every day, she looked at me and had huge eyes and said, Adam, what did you do? There are hundreds of voicemails. They are full of death threats and bomb threats. Long story short, the guy got fired from his CFO job. Two years later, was on food stamps. He's since moved to Costa Rica. He has acknowledged that he was kind of a douche in the video. And I would say that I don't believe that's a good way of handling these situations from him or his or the opponents who got him fired. You know, a guy can be an idiot. And, you know, I I don't believe in that sort of nonsense. I think if you watch the show, uh, you probably know that. The point being here, though, if you could take the worst things about everybody and put them all in one place, you got Twitter. That coming into real life is happening more and more often. More people are trying to act that way in real life to get their dumb little viral moments, their little moments of stardom. Uh, It is a terrible, terrible instinct. It really is like taking all of those horrible things you think from, you know, Hollywood celebrities like Tom Cruise and Deborah Messing, who think they know better than everybody. They're going to talk down to everybody and insult everybody, taking all those terrible characteristics and folding it into a real life experience. It's not the life we should be shooting for. And beyond that, while it is kind of fun sometimes to to engage in, the bottom line is it doesn't work either. And that is probably going to convince a lot more people than saying, hey, you should be a better person. Go with something that will, I don't know, be the right thing to do and be effective. Try to be the better person. There was a book written about it a long time ago, something about being better Um, something about being more godly or so. I don't know. I'll have to get you the book. It's old. It's a little bit dusty, but I think it still has some valuable lessons inside. All right. We're just talking about uh, Hollywood types and all the crazy things that they do. Let me give you the opposite of that. Let me give you blackriflecoffee.com. Here's the here's the good people in our society, people who are actually making a difference. Uh, and they're veterans. Uh, these are veterans who have been helping veterans, uh, first responders for a really long time by donating tons of coffee uh, and all sorts of other stuff to uh, to veterans. They're there. They actually care. This isn't like a little promotion for them. They do this stuff all the time. BlackRifleCoffee.com is the place to go. Uh, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Um, but I will say um, it's more about more than that. I mean, I will you know, I'm, as you know, incredibly selfish as a person. 
Uh, and if I have a company who's doing good and they're doing a decent job as far as like, you know, doing some stuff for charity, that's a bonus for me. But the stuff has got to be good, too. I can't just I, I, it's not all about that. If I want to just do good, I'm going to just donate to a charity. Right. Uh, I want to have the best products as well. Black Rifle Coffee is the best. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. They got they have these incredible roasts from all around the, the world. Uh, and it really is the best place to go. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. We get it delivered every single month to the house with the Black Rifle Coffee Club. You should, too. If you're going back to work finally, if you're not in California and you're allowed out of your house and you're going into an office, get BlackRifleCoffee.com delivered instead of the crap you got right now. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo, uh, the uh, address with a slash stew as part of it because that's how they know you like this stupid show. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Get it now. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Save 20%. As the founder and purveyor of AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com, I can sit here and rant all the time about how bad Andrew Cuomo is. Luckily, there are people doing things of value to actually hold him accountable. Uh, it is uh, Bill Hammond is here. He is a senior fellow for the health policy at the Empire Center. Bill, thanks for coming on the program. Hi, Stu. Pleased to be here. Uh, you guys are doing something, and that is important. Uh, a lot of people are uh, you know, really looking at what Cuomo has done here. Um, with the uh, nursing home situation. And I mean, he's getting he's had almost universal praise from the media. Um, can you walk us through what your lawsuit is about? Well, um, as you probably know, there's a big dispute over how he's been reporting nursing home data. Um, the health department has been reporting only the deaths of nursing home residents that happen in the facilities. And that leaves out potentially thousands of residents who died after they were transferred to hospitals. And I'm not aware of any other state that counts um, nursing home fatalities that way. Uh, We've been wondering about this for a while, and a lot of organizations have filed freedom of, of information requests for the full data. We know that the health department has all of the, the, the proper count. Um, and so when we filed our request in, early August, they came back in late August and said, we can't get it to you until November. Um, And so we we sued because we thought that wasn't a proper grounds for denial, that they had the data readily available. It was clearly public information. So that case is pending in court right now. Um, And since we filed it, the health department came back and told us now that they're not intending to get us the information until January. So it could be we find when we deal with FOIL requests with the state of New York that often they get postponed for months uh, and even sometimes uh, years before you get the information you requested. Have they provided any logical reason as to why 49 other states can figure out pretty easily that where the, na- where the nursing home uh, deaths, what, where those numbers are, but in New York, this seems to be an impossible task for them. I wouldn't say it's a logical reason. Their their explanation has shifted a little bit over time. The most recent thing they've said is that they want to make absolutely sure that these numbers are accurate. Um, I don't understand why that would be an issue because they've been collecting all of the numbers they need, both deaths both inside the facilities and outside the facilities of nursing home residents. They've been collecting all of that data from the beginning in the same way at the same time from the nursing homes. And they've only been sharing part of it. 
so if if one number is accurate, I don't understand why the other number would be any less accurate. And look, we would I think everybody would understand if the answer to this was they had a few issues here and there. Right. I mean, there are going to be some numbers that are off. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't release the numbers. I mean, people, every one of these states has adjusted totals in different categories. That's very normal with a bunch of data coming in from a bunch of different sources. Everyone would understand that. What they're doing is hiding thousands of deaths. And it seems, you know, I don't know how you look at it any other way than to say that Cuomo is trying to hide this part of his record. I mean, you know, it's, I don't think it's a huge shock that they wanted to delay this at least until after his book came out. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I guess I have to agree that this seems like a concerted effort to hide an embarrassing fact. Um, I, f- I can't f- fully explain it because I can't get inside the governor's head. I would say that if he were being more frank about the situation, if he were acknowledging, look, we're, we're not ready to give you the full count yet, you would expect him to kind of be quiet about what those numbers say. But instead of being quiet, he uh, often cites statistics about New York's nursing home deaths to argue that actually New York did a good job Mm. because look at these data that we have without mentioning that those data are partial and that they're not truly comparable to what other states have reported. So I feel like he's been disingenuous about the issue, which kind of compounds the fact that he's not being fully transparent about the issue. Yeah. And I, and I, I know you're, you're a respectable organization and, and doing a great job. I can say, however, I can't imagine a more disingenuous approach. I mean, this is a guy who is coming out here and, as you point out, bragging about how good his nursing home results are, saying he's 34th in the nation and things like this, when he knows he's not releasing the data. And the and I can't come up with a reason why the media is not asking him directly about this. There does seem to be, I would say, some pushback from um, uh, from not only Republicans in the state as far as lawmakers go, but some Democrats who want answers to this question. This is not a partisan thing. I think everyone understands it was a bad situation in New York uh, at nursing homes. He is doing this seemingly to gaslight the public, and it is really infuriating. Well, I guess I'm not sure. I, I've seen a lot of media reporting on this, um, I've, especially a lot of newspapers in New York, um, ProPublica, Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- and it does come up from time to time. I mean, a lot of news organizations have filed the same freedom of information request that I have. And it comes up in his daily briefings from time to time. A TV station or a newspaper will ask him about it and, and, and press him on why it's taking so long. Um, I guess there is some reluctance to bring it up over and over again, knowing that you're going to get the same answer. Um, there is a, a lawsuit pending. Um, the courts have an opportunity to break the logjam. Um, so I I really feel like uh, the onus is on the, the health department and the governor and the Cuomo administration. Um, I'm not sure there's that much more that the, the rest of us can do. Uh, there, By the way, there's a, a Justice Department inquiry, which is seeking some of the same information. Um, and that may pry it loose at some point. And, and, and but, uh, to uh, your, for now, yeah, uh, go ahead. 
Well, I mean, I guess I would point out that the federal government is also in a position to know this information. CMS has been gathering some data for nursing homes since May. Um, but they also, their information is also incomplete for sort of different reasons, partly because they got into the game late. Um, I, I feel like um, CMS clearly is in a position to find out the true information and share it with all of us. And they haven't done that either. Hmm. Well, I, look, I'm you know I, I've called out Texas on some of their data points. Uh, or, you know, during the pandemic, it's not just New York that I think have had problems with this. But Cuomo does seem to be a bit egregious. And, and to your point on the media, I would agree. Like there actually has been some some good reporting on this. I would I, I would I, I, one thing I have not seen is the two things that you paired together though. Uh, brought up to him directly in an interview. You know, people will bring up, hey, like, what's going on with these nursing home numbers? Why haven't we heard about them? But it it really puts an exclamation point on it when you're talking about him not providing the numbers and bragging about what he knows are incomplete numbers. That's That's not a situation about pandemic handling. That's not a situation about a pandemic that is very difficult to contain. That is a situation where he is intentionally misleading the public to brag about his record. That is just that's just straight politician lying. And I think that should be called out more directly. Yeah, well, uh, one issue that happens is that a lot of the uh, television media, the media that he does is in the context of a quick hit interview. Mm-hmm. So that it'd be very difficult for uh the reporter to get into the technical detail that's necessary to discuss this and then also to be prepared to push back on whatever the governor says, because he's going to have a response. Mm-hmm. So you do see people bring it up, um, but it, it's a tough thing to get into. I will acknowledge on television and he doesn't do the kind of in-depth long form uh, interviews with a few exceptions um, that would that would really enable that kind of um, inquiry. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. But I also think you're being very generous here. I do. I just think that they <laughs> there should be, uh, you know, that. I mean, we just covered it right multiple times. I mean, like, I, I don't think it's a. I do. I, I there is a there is a point you're making there that I think is valid, and that like you know, look, there these things are tough to cover, and there is some detail there. But like, it, this is a guy who's doing a book bragging about leadership. This is a guy who's who's writing a book bragging about the way that he handled this, and uh, you know, I, I do think he's puffing up his record in in a, in a, in a big big way. Um, we have seen a couple of these other states. Um, that have had the same similar policies when it comes to uh, letting uh, the, the nursing home, uh, the, importing the, the COVID positive patients into nursing homes. New Jersey comes to mind. There's a few others. Um, it does not seem, however, that there were other states that intentionally prevented the testing of coronavirus patients going into um, uh, into nursing homes in this period. Is that true, or, and is that something that is involved in the lawsuit as well? So you're talking about the March 25th guidance from the health department, mm-hmm. which told nursing homes that they could not turn away patients who were being um, discharged from hospitals because they were coronavirus positive. And it's kind of a, a corollary to that. They said you can't discharge them because they haven't been tested. The The advisory didn't forbid testing. It just said you can't, you have to admit them while you're waiting for the test results. You, in other words, you can't insist on a test before the discharge happens. Um, I think that was an extension of the 
driving force behind this directive, which was they were trying to move as many patients out of hospitals as they could because they were anticipating a huge wave of people in an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. And the patients they were trying to discharge were stable and otherwise ready to go. Um, and in fact, had recovered, as I understand it, they were talking about patients who had recovered from coronavirus, but still tested positive or, or might, you know, might still test positive. So the, the issue with testing, I'm not, I don't know if any other state went that far, but it was kind of consistent with the thrust of the policy, which was we need to clear these beds. And these patients are basically healthy. They're ready to go. Um, we, Cuomo has since said, and, and Commissioner Zucker has since said, we didn't think they would be highly infectious because they were late. They, they were relatively late in the progress of their disease. All of those things are valid considerations. Um, but uh, so the testing thing, I mean, it's fair to bring up, but I, I don't think, I don't think it's accurate to say that they were banning testing. They were saying you can't wait on a test before you accept the discharge. Okay. I'll have to go and, uh, and look, I, I thought it with new, uh, incoming patients, that was the policy, but I'll go back and, 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 and read it again. It's been a little while since I've gone through it. Uh, last question for you, uh, uh, is, Bill is where does this go? Is this something that he can kind of push off and hide this uh, information for a lengthy period of time? Is this a, a sort of an open-ended uh, situation? And if, uh, you know, what do we learn from this if these numbers do come out and they're as high as a lot of people expect? So he, he can't put it off forever. He's obviously shown a willingness to put it off for as long as he can. I kept expecting him to float it out uh, remember in July, the health department put out a report. That would have been an opportunity to say, okay, here's the full mm -hmm. the full context. Um, when he delayed my full request to November 5th, people thought, oh, he's trying to get past the election. Well, November 5th came and went and still no data. Now he's pushing it in, you know, the, the current deadline is in January. Um, as I mentioned, the Justice Department is looking into this. You might expect that you know, before the Trump administration ends, they might they might try to push mm -hmm. out some data, whatever data they have. Um, the legislature might be goaded into subpoenaing this. Eventually, the courts are going to enforce the FOIL law. He can't sit on it forever. Uh, the fact that he's sitting on it so long tells me that it must be a pretty bad number. We don't know what it is. We've I've I've heard various estimates. My own estimate is that it's probably, you know, the reported number was sixty five hundred at the time I made this estimate. And I thought it was probably over ten thousand. Um, so, I'm guessing it must be worse than that. Mm -hmm. If you want to understand why he's pushing so hard to hold it back, um, but. I mean, that's speculation on my part be because that's the whole point of this. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. I hate to make you speculate, but I will say, I'll, let me just do one more piece of speculation. I think he's going to beat that January 5th uh, deadline. Uh, I, I expect the release around December 23rd, 24th, right in there <laughs> is where I would not be surprised at all to see it. Uh, Bill Hammond, uh, doing great work, a senior, senior fellow for health policy at the Empire Center. Uh, thanks so much for really doing something uh, about this and trying to get the information that the American people uh, deserve. I know, you know, so many have lost 
uh, relatives in, in this whole this whole escapade, and, and they at least deserve to have their numbers counted. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for having me on. Okay, let us know if there's any updates. Okay, Bill, appreciate it. Um, all right, back in a second. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacy is extreme. Yes, every single thing is racist. And now, even Abraham Lincoln apparently is racist. Uh, there's a school in San Francisco. They had a committee, and all committees, uh, it's always a good result when you have a committee. They have uh, come up with a, a list of problematic school titles. Uh, and it is, it's kind of amazing. They came, and George Washington, obviously really problematic. Herbert Hoover, Paul Revere, total hate monger. Um, but also Abraham Lincoln. The discussion for Lincoln centered around his treatment of First Nation peoples, said the committee uh, chairman. Uh, now, Lincoln, of course, has been praised by basically everybody, including, yes, even Barack Obama and Kamala Harris. Uh, but uh, they, the, the committee chairman said, Lincoln, like the presidents before him and most after, did not show through policy or rhetoric that black lives ever mattered to them outside of human capital and as casualties of wealth building. The guy, I mean, there's a civil war fought over this topic uh, to free the slaves. Seems like uh, he really did kind of care. I know there's some skepticism in some circles about how much. However, he did act, he had, you know, he did actions along this along these lines well before the Civil War. Uh, very strange comments. I will say this: um, they do actually outline some of the things because they're saying you know, even if you like the stuff he did with the slaves and all that, uh, whatever. That side note of Abraham Lincoln history, um, you probably don't like what he did with uh, Native Americans. So, what did he do with Native Americans? Here's what they cite in the story from the San Francisco Chronicle: Lincoln has come under fire for constructing the transcontinental railroad. Which, which affected indigenous lands. He also declined to commute the sentences of 39 Native Americans who were sentenced to hanging. Is there any perspective at all? At all? Apparently not, and that's how you know everything is racist, even Abraham Lincoln. Everything is racist. Every thought you have Ah, crazy times. I want to talk to you about First Leaf. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world directly to you. Who wants to go out and get wine when it can come right to your house? Every bottle is handpicked by experts with your exact preferences and palate in mind. First Leaf uses an algorithm and your feedback to curate future wine recommendations. Uh, it's fantastic. My wife uh, got a little First Leaf delivery, a very special one. Do we have her uh, picture? You can kind of see uh, she looks very, very happy, of course. <laughs> but also you see the wine. It's really nice, nicely packaged. It comes with all the the, the, you know, the, the makings of a great gift. Uh, and right now you get six bottles of wine for just $29.95. Includes free shipping. You go through this cool little taste profile thing. 
uh, and they, they deliver things that you're going to like because of the wines you've told them you like before. But these are things you've never tried before. It's a great program. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. The slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Six bottles of wine, $29.95, free shipping. Do it now. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Treat yourself. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. You need liberals. What I don't think we need is the illiberals. And what I don't think that some liberals see is that they're often being cannibalized by the illiberals. Now, you know, there are extremes on both sides uh, that I think are unfair, that I don't think are the right place to be. The extreme left and the extreme right completely illegitimize the other side, um, um, the liberal and the conservative side, which we need in certain places. They, the two extremes illegitimize those those two sides, um, or they exaggerate that that side's uh, stance into an irrational state that that makes no sense, and and that's not fair when either side does that. It's interesting because he is that him kind of saying the, the, the cancel culture thing is is wrong, for example. You know, we don't need new organization. That's Matthew McConaughey, by the way. We don't need, you know, new organizations, new groups to go and target the other side and try to eliminate them from all society. In theory, like, you know, I like when liberal comedians, even if they're saying dumb liberal things, when they when they say something offensive, I, I usually have their back, as you know, on this program. I, I don't like. I don't like that. Uh, I don't think it helps. And I think it makes a boring world. Uh, it makes for a really boring world. I wonder, is Matthew McConaughey planning on running for something? I mean, people are speculating he's going to run for uh, governor of Texas. I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, it's, it would be it would be interesting. It would it would certainly make it uh, interesting uh, for sure. Uh, McConaughey uh, seems like a he's kind of a, maybe a center center left guy or maybe a center guy. I don't think he's a center right guy. Maybe he is. Some people have speculated that. I guess we'll see uh, what uh, uh, what what goes on uh, with that. It's it's interesting to see these guys out there talking politics. I mean, McConaughey doesn't really talk about politics usually. Um, he does have a new memoir out apparently, so uh, that could be uh, the reason to kind of talking about his background. Maybe we'll see. You know what we need is another really famous person as president. Let's just have famous people be president from now on. Um, yeah, it's better than Biden. Back in a second. You ever pay for something with gold? My guess is probably no, unless you've been watching this particular program and you've said, you know what? That Glint card sounds pretty cool. I can pay with gold. You may have your Glint card already. How does Glint work? Well, Glint, uh, it's all, first of all, uh, if you're one of these people who want to invest in gold and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't have tons of money maybe to put into it. Uh, and I want to be able to access that money if I need it. Glint Pay is the way you do this because you can buy real gold that is kept for you in a, a vault in Switzerland, in a Brinks vault. Uh, it's FDIC insured. It's got all the trimmings uh, that you would want from, a, from an investment. Um, but also, on the other hand, um, it's different. Uh, it's got a lot of the same protections that you'd have. But also, uh, it's, it's a different idea. Uh, you get to buy gold, which is, is great, and you get to get the benefits of investing in gold. But you can also access that money anytime you want, even on a whim. 
You can, you know, uh, the convenience store, pay for uh, Cheetos with gold. They've got a GlintPay card, G-L-I-N-T-P-A-Y dot com slash stew. GlintPay dot com slash stew. The slash stew of the part, uh, part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Put yourself on your own personal gold standard. The dollar has been falling in value. Uh, You've you, you got to guard against that. GlintPay dot com slash stew is a great way to do it with really low fees. GlintPay dot com slash stew. All right, subscribe, blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew. Save 10 bucks. We will see you tomorrow.